Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Orlando, my guest is an award-winning and Grammy-nominated bilingual audio engineer, singer, songwriter, guitar player, recording artist. Her top five songs on Spotify alone have amassed well over 200,000 streams, and she is currently working on a new album. As a singer, she has appeared in albums nominated for Latin Grammys, and as an audio engineer, she has worked on Grammy-nominated albums. Her hooky melodies and fun lyrics have gone beyond her career as an artist by writing songs for other Latin artists and corporations like Disney. She is also a two-time Lennon Bus winner and has even worked with the likes of Universal, ESPN, Apple, and the University of Miami. I've been hearing a song of hers called Pedacito de Mi. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Tef. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're finally getting to talk. <laughs> Let's get this episode off the ground by having you share with the audience about the song of yours that was just playing, which I was rudely talking over, called Pedacito de Mi. Yeah, so this song is, uh, you know, is about, you know, um, showing love for the person that you have in your life, um, you know, and kind of keep in, keeping in mind that, um, you know, they're not always going to be there, you know, so so not taking them for granted enjoying the time that you get with them and um yeah it's just a it's just a cute little love song and um you know there's a lot of cute little lines in there that uh, kind of talk about you know the the um <laughs> i don't know how to say it um you know just it just makes like love sound a little like cute and and um i don't know how to explain it i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'll cause the listener to say, I guess I'm going to have to go listen to it myself yes. and see exactly what what she wrote and what she's referring to. Uh, <laughs> so as the audience, especially those who are just getting introduced to you for the first time, as they start to look you up on the likes of some of the digital music platforms, they're going to see an EP that started everything for you, I want to say five years ago and a bunch of singles since then. So I believe that was just a single, correct? It was not released, say, as part of a bigger project? Correct. Yeah. So I've been basically I, I released an EP um, essentially like right out of college. And then, um, you know, from there, I just kind of went with the uh, the singles route. And now I'm kind of working on a, a bigger album that's going to include some of these singles as well. Ah, OK. OK. I introduced you as calling in from Orlando. But for those who are just being introduced to you, as they look around online, they're going to see references to Miami. And yet you're originally from another country. <laughs> Talk about where you were born and when and why you came to the U.S. Yeah, so I was born in Venezuela, in Caracas, Venezuela, and um, I came to the United States when I was only 10 years old. I'm 32 now, <laughs> so it's been quite a while. And um, I first came to the U.S., and we basically stayed in Miami. Um, eventually, we moved to Central Florida, and then I went back to Miami for college, and that's kind of where I stayed for a while. Um, and I just recently moved to Orlando again uh, to just be closer to family, and, you know, uh, it's just cheaper up here. <laughs> Things are getting crazy in Miami, so, um, yeah. But still, though, you said that your family came to the United States when you were 10. A lot of times you'll read that somebody was born, I'll say, in an exotic location. Ooh, I guess Venezuela's exotic. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it was, you, you know, that. it was, oh, well, my family moved here when I was two. So to me, 10 is a lot different. And so you do have kind of enough of an international background. I mean, obviously, we can hear the accent. So it wasn't just kind of, oh, well, even though I was born there, 
And so, you know, you've kind of gotten a good flavor of, and I wasn't going to ask you to reveal your age, but as you say, you've been in the (laughs) States, you know, longer than you were there, but I want to make sure the audience understands this isn't someone who was just born there and six months later, obviously I'm assuming that your parents had some reason why they came to, to the United States. Yeah. So, I mean, mainly it was political reasons, you know, security, being able to give us the life that, you know, they wanted to give us. Um, Things weren't getting, uh, weren't looking very good in Venezuela. So my parents made the tough decision to basically leave everything behind and, um, you know, start new in the United States. So, you know, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster, to say the least. (laughs) Have you been back there at all since you came to the States? No, I haven't. I would love to, you know, now that I'm married, you know, I, my husband is an American citizen. So it's, um, you know, I would love to be able to take him back and show him, you know, all the beautiful places that Venezuela has, because it, it really is a beautiful country. It just, you know, not run with the, by the proper people, <laughs> okay. at least. Okay. Well, I won't get into all the different logistics around how Tef and I finally came to do this interview, but I have to repeat that I'm happy that she and I are able to pull this off. And I continue to say thank you to Focusrite also for sponsoring Now Hear This Entertainment. As an indie podcaster, it means a lot to get that kind of support. And audience, I hope you'll recognize that and utilize their gear as a result, whether you're a podcaster or a musician. For the latter, you musicians out there, this week I want to mention one of Focusrite's audio interfaces called the Claret Plus. We're talking studio grade here, and this is for recording vocals and instruments. Plus, there are a few different versions of the Claret Plus to choose from, so you get exactly what's right for what you're doing. The Claret Plus range comes with a downloadable software bundle. That's a combination of recording software, mixing plugins, and virtual instruments. The Claret Plus brings you greater dynamic range and lower distortion. Sound on Sound magazine said that it, quote, stands up extremely well against seriously high-end equipment, end quote. Find out more about the Claret Plus from Focusrite on my show website, nhte.net. You'll see an ad for the Focusrite Vocaster. Tap or click on that to go over to their website to get all the details about the different versions of the Claret Plus. The ad says, tell the world. It's in the right-hand column on desktop or on mobile, scroll way down below the social media icons to see it and go over to their website. Tef, you were talking about coming to the U.S. from Venezuela, but let's shift to your early music years. What did that look like? Yeah, so I was um, I was in a school that was all based on arts and sciences. So, you know, naturally, I, I already loved music. My dad, you know, my parents, they always played music in the house and always taught me about like the classics. And um, so I was already, I already had like a, a, an ear for music. So when I was in school, I um, joined the chorus there and I, or the choir there. And then I also started playing an instrument, a folkloric instrument from Venezuela called the cuatro, which is essentially, if I had to compare it to an instrument that most people would know would be the ukulele because it has four strings. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, uh, it's it's a very traditional instrument. So I started with that. Then I went on to play a little bit of violin, which then I kind of just fell off of that because I I just didn't have a good, you know, a good teacher and I didn't feel motivated Mm. to continue learning. Um, But yeah, and then once I got to the United States, um, I became a student of Claudio Corsi, who was, you know, he basically was the the guy who kickstarted, you know, my entire career. career as an audio engineer and as a songwriter because uh, you know i came in and i was like hey i play the quattro he was also venezuelan ah. and um and he played quattro so he taught me as much as he could you know and then he was like hey what about like this instrument called the guitar and so he kind of <laughs> just like introduced me to the guitar and then uh from there is just you know writing music together and uh singing and uh and he was the one that basically gave me my first version of you know, uh, a recording software and my first microphone and just kind of, he kind of took me as an apprentice. Mm. Um, and so I just started kind of, you know, recording myself and, and writing and, um, you know, just kind of playing around with sounds and trying to find my sound. And, um, a lot of people said that I sound like Shakira earlier in the years, (laughs) (laughs) uh, which I don't know if that's true, but 
um, I, you know, I just kind of went from there and I knew that I needed to find my sound and uh, I just really enjoyed, you know, making music. But everything that you're describing with him, you said you moved to the United States at the age of 10. Yeah. Was that right away or was it three years later? Was it five years later? And, and then also over what span of time was all of that? Yeah, so that was that was right away. I mean, we moved in, you know, maybe a few months later we met you know, Claudio through a, a set of friends and, you know, family friends. And, um, you know, I just, my parents wanted me to continue, you know, kind of having a normal life, even though, you know, we kind of had uplifted our entire lives. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started with those lessons and it, it you know, the la- the lessons kind of went up to the time when I went to college, was w- which was in 2009. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, a lot of, working together so we we figured out that our voices sounded really good together and ah. and that was uh that was kind of how the first you know latin grammy nomination came came by did you ever at any point say go to someone else for guitar lessons or go to someone else for voice lessons or go to someone else as maybe a songwriting coach or anything or was it just always him or just you by yourself yeah so i was in miami for i want to say hmm probably till 2004 um and then at that point we moved to central florida so obviously i couldn't take lessons with him anymore um but i did take lessons you know up in central florida there were i had a couple of guitar you know teachers that i kept going but i was always very much connected to my original teacher you know mm-hmm. um and he and because he was a family friend you know i still talked to him often and we still kind of like worked on music together whenever i would come down to miami for any you know any reason um so but yeah the the music learning and growth like never really ended and whenever there were periods where i didn't have a teacher i was always teaching myself you know i was always you know playing around and then trying to explore like how you know push the push the envelope push the the sounds that i could that i could create Gotcha. Gotcha. And folks, I'll be giving out Tef's website and social media and all those details in a bit. And of course, I'll have a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to her website. But Tef, when people see that listing and or they go to your website, they're going to see that audio check. Yes. Explain what that is all about. Yeah, so that was a recent kind of a rebranding that I went through uh, when it comes to like my freelance kind of... Um, business um i decided to call myself that audio chick i just i don't know i i just really like the the sound of that um and it's essentially you'll see my work you'll you'll also be able to like you know get to my music from there but um the the website essentially showcases you know everything that i can do i'm, I'm a content creator i'm an engineer um i write music for other businesses and other artists so you kind of get a, a, an overview of what, you know, all the things that I can do. Yeah, and folks, you're going to be very impressed. I have only gotten to know Tef very, very recently, and just everything looks first class that she does, and it's really just a tremendous first impression, and, and that's just seeing her quote-unquote online portfolio. I also want to go back to folks. I mentioned this on last week's episode with Nashville-based singer, songwriter, guitar player Jeff Middleton, but it absolutely bears repeating. For podcast listeners, talking about content creators, as Tef just mentioned, for podcast listeners who enjoy good storytelling, let me, as you've heard me do in the past on this show, not just last week, let me recommend Obscure Ball. It's a sports storytelling podcast that covers lesser-known events, figures, and sports history. Everything from the death of Ed Delahanty to a mysterious plane crash that killed a Russian hockey team, to a bizarre chain of events that changed baseball history. This show is not like any sports podcast you've heard before. Be sure to subscribe so you can get updates on the current run of episodes that you've heard me talking about called Circa 1904. It's a three-part installment looking at three events in 1904. Obscure Ball is available at obscureballpod.com and anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Tef, audiophiles, music aficionados, industry folks, lots of people, of course, are familiar. 
No, you know what? Let me do it like this. I don't want to steal your thunder. Talk about the <laughs> tremendous opportunity you had relative to starting out your career, meaning where that was and who, as a result, you got to work with. Yeah, so I started out, essentially career-wise, I started out in college. Um, I became one of the members of the recording services there. Um, and then as well, I also got my license for the studio. So I basically just lived in the studio all day, every day, you know, aside from going to class. Uh, and, um, you know, from there I got the opportunity to record quite a few people, you know, that, that would come and and do either master classes in the college or, um, you know, for example, Jeremy Fox, who was a graduate student at the time there that I ended up recording and that song and that album ended up getting nominated for a uh, for a Grammy later on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it kind of kicked off. I was also at the time when I was chief engineer my senior year, um, I got to record the Despicable Me 2 theme song for, uh, you know, for the Despicable Me 2 movie with Pharrell Williams. So that was really cool. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then from there, I um, I approached um, Tony Bon Jovi, who came to do a master class at the University of Miami. And um, we kind of just kicked it off with him and his team. And they offered me sort of like an internship after I graduated. And that's kind of how I started going into the studio world and, and being able to work in studio with, with other artists. Um, and at the time, I was also working at Apple uh, you know, part-time as like a salesperson. Cause of course I have to pay bills. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. But, but power station for the audience is what I wanted you to hear from Tef that she yes. had the opportunity to work there. And by the way, you're hearing her say, wait a minute, did she say Tony Bon Jovi? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not quite spelled the same way, but it is John's cousin. And obviously, yep. you know, you can see what they're doing there, the spelling as it was originally, and then what it got changed to by his cousin. Uh, but, you know, Power Station is a place that's legendary. And I mean, you as good as anyone, Tef, can talk about the amazing history that has been made there. Oh, yeah. I mean, some incredible artists. And I mean, and Tony himself, you know, he's he's worked with, you know, uh, Stevie Wonder, like Jimi Hendrix, you know, some of the greats. Um, and so just being able to to learn from him and, um, you know, and his team, his his chief engineer there, Paul Kronk, he's amazing. And he's uh, he was a big mentor of mine as well. while I was there, you know, getting to work with people like Charlie Colello. Um, so it, it's just insane, like the amount of talent that goes through that place and, and not just, you know, big names, but also like smaller local band, bands that are just incredible and that should be completely known. <laughs> but did you understand at the time what the power station was or did you just know that, okay, I'm being given an opportunity here and great, I'm going to get some hands-on experience? I mean, I had, I did a little bit of research, you know, on, on the background and, uh, you know, but originally I was like, okay, this studio wants to have me. <laughs> so like, um, you know, this is a great opportunity. And, uh, because of the, ma the masterclass that I had, that I had been at, you know, with Tony, I, I had a little bit of that information, like what is the power station and, and how it came to be and, uh, the acoustics behind the, the different rooms and mm. very, yeah, very interesting stuff. So to what extent did you or didn't you get to, I don't want to say work alongside him, but I'm hoping you're going to say that there was something above and beyond just the master class. Well, with him, yeah, with him at the studio, you know, he he kind of, um, he would be there, obviously, for, you know, some sometimes because he also has a, a, another company that he runs. Um, but the times that he was there, it was just, you know, hearing his stories and like, he doesn't really touch the digital stuff and, you know, at this point, just cause he's a very analog guy. Um, so just seeing him kind of interact with the digital stuff and, and, and sit back and let Paul, who was the chief engineer there kind of handle all the digital stuff and, and, but like just hearing him, like listening back to stuff and then kind of telling you like, oh, this needs to, why don't we do this? And mm. why don't we do that? You know, and just like, you just soak all that up, yeah. you know, and, and, and learn, yeah. you know, all the, all the tricks of the trade, at least the, <laughs> the old school stuff. <laughs> sure. Sure. 
Is there any reason that you have to be in touch with him at all anymore nowadays? Um, I mean, I'm still in touch with the power station guys. I haven't really spoken to Tony, I believe, since I left. But uh, I'm very much in close contact with Paul, gotcha. who's the chief engineer there. Gotcha. So, In the intro, I alluded to some of the corporate opportunities that you have had. Share with the audience about working as an audio engineer for a couple of those companies and where that led. Yeah, so I... After I graduated and I did my internship with Power Station and kind of just like, you know, started out there, I decided to throw my hat into uh, ESPN. So they had a, a position open for um, audio operator position. And um, months later, I want to say like three or four months later, they I get a phone call while I'm at Power Station. And uh, they're basically like, hey, we want to, like, interview you. It's like we're here with, like, four or five other people, <laughs> you mm. know, and, like, they just kind of blindsided me with, with the interview. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I guess I just – I expressed to them originally that I had no idea about anything broadcast and mm. that I was very much willing to learn and, you know, and, and that I knew audio, so, like, it can't be that hard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So um, from there, I, I was able to get that opportunity. They, they gave me a chance, um, and I became their, one of the audio operators there. So I moved to Connecticut to be at the headquarters wow. uh, for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then I got to make shows from First Take to Sports Center. I got to do um, the Euro Cup. Um, I got to mix that from like the actual stadium that wow. it was happening at. Um, Lots of really, really neat, you know, I got to meet all the all the anchors and, and all the hosts and some of, like, the famous people that would come by, like Will Ferrell, um, Ryan Reynolds, you mm. know. They would come and, and do, like, a, a what they call the car wash, uh, where they go through all the different shows that we have. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. But I also took it upon myself to not just be an audio operator there. I was also putting myself in a position where I wanted to continue learning mm -hmm. and learning about the broadcast side of things. So mm -hmm. I started kind of supporting in other areas. So one of the areas was the playout operator, which is kind of like the, the people who play the videos and like load them up. And whenever the director says, okay, we're going to this video, like you have to be there mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to, to play that video. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that. I did a little bit of the comm side. So being able to connect you know, from the headquarters to remotely to another truck or, mm. um, you know, another site. Um, so I got to do a little bit of a little bit of everything while I was at ESPN. Um, and then eventually I moved back to Miami as lead audio operator. And I was kind of the head, you know, I was kind of like, um, not the head, but, you know, I was I was leading all the initiatives in that, you know, uh, studio I when see. it came to audio. So mm -hmm. I was curating music I was working with the uh, curating department, the music department, to get music into our systems. And uh, from there, I just decided that I needed to find something different and that I wanted to continue writing music and see if maybe I could make money while making music and enjoying that whole side of things. Mm. Um, and I ended up applying for a job at Chewy, which is... <laughs> Very unusual, and I call this the <laughs> unicorn of jobs, um, where essentially they were looking for an in-house audio engineer to build out a studio and uh, write music for their commercials, which is, you know, kind of interesting. So I, I came in and I basically just built the whole audio department from there. Um, and, you know, I was doing, one day I was on set, and then, you know, a few hours later I'm writing music for a commercial and then a few hours later i'm sound designing you know some cute pet thing <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's kind of like the the extent of my corporate work i was um you know just kind of building on from one skill to another and and eventually got to the chewy one where it kind of helped me gain some leadership skills by you know being able to manage a team and be able to ah. kind of create in a collaborative kind of um way whereas at espn it was just me and like following directions by the by the director okay and so let's just do one more so where did you go after chewy where did you move on to next yeah so i decided to um 
you know, that I needed to like kind of push myself a little bit more. And um, I decided to apply to a job position for content director at a uh, fitness company or fitness app called Aptive, um, where essentially the content was all just audio based. So, you know, it was kind of in my wheelhouse. I already had the uh, production kind of background um, and I had kind of already seen how all the different parts work and how they come together and how certain processes work better than others, how to mm. make things efficient. Um, so I ended up, you know, in this position and then that's where I'm at now, um, where essentially I'm, you know, kind of a, a one woman show <laughs> um, and I'm kind of managing uh, a group of about 14 trainers and about 12 engineers. Oh, so you're still engineers. doing that. You're still you're still working for Aptive. Yeah, I'm working for Aptive and then of course I do like my that audio chick, you know, consulting and, okay. and kind of freelance work as well. Okay. Okay. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Orlando by award-winning and Grammy-nominated bilingual audio engineer, singer, songwriter, guitar player, recording artist Tef. Visit her official website at thataudiochick.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on her site, you will see links to Tef's music page on Facebook, as well as her Instagram account, plus even her LinkedIn account as well. And by the way, youtube.com slash music is how you find the video content she has online. You'll also see the videos on her website. You can click those if you'd rather go watch them through YouTube if you prefer. Plus, she is on Twitter at Tef Music. And of course, I mentioned in the intro about all the streams of her music on Spotify, 200,000 plus for her top five songs. So be sure to follow her on there too. But support her by purchasing downloads of her music from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital retailers. Someone like Tef can totally appreciate the importance of headphones when you're in a long editing session or recording session, or even all you gamers out there and podcasters too, of course. I'm so grateful to have found the folks at Deconi Audio earlier this year when I was at the NAM show in Anaheim. The ear pads on my headphones had started peeling. In fact, I took them out of my backpack at the NAM show and did one of those, see? And they said, that's exactly what we do. We have replacement ear pads to take care of that for you so you don't have to purchase new headphones. So I even did an unboxing video when they sent them to me. You can see it on my YouTube channel. Just look for the YouTube logo on my podcast website, nhte.net. What's also cool is that they will have replacement ear pads specific to the brand and model headphones you have. It's not a quote-unquote universal item that you have to hope might fit yours. Use the link in that YouTube video that I'm referring to so you can go to their website and see the ones that I got and find the replacement ear pads specific to your headphones. Or on my podcast website, nhte.net, just tap or click on the Deconi Audio logo to go to their website. That Deconi Audio logo is in the right-hand column if you're on desktop or if you're on mobile, just scroll way down to below the block of social media icons, which includes the one for YouTube. And that's where you'll see the Deconi Audio logo. Tef, before all that, you were talking about corporate work that you've done, but one thing that we've not talked about yet is that you actually do work also for GPU Audio. Yes, yes. That's one of my, my biggest, um, I guess, companies that I work for right at the moment. Um, they're great. I mean, they're they're pushing the envelope, you know, on, on so many levels when it comes to audio technology and the future of audio and what that looks like. Um, and, and these guys are putting in a lot of a lot of work and a lot of hours in what they're doing. Give the audience some examples of what GPU audio does. Yeah, so it's, uh, it basically is um, is taking a technology where um, you're using the GPU, so the graphics processing card of your computer or you know uh, a server of GPUs, and you're able to process audio um, through them, which typically you know it doesn't. It, we haven't been able to do that, so these guys figured out a way to do it. Um, you know, I think it's magic. Uh, don't ask me how it works, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, these um, you know, they're, they're able to to use this technology to be able to power plugins and and be able to you know make collaboration a lot more efficient, um, to unlock a lot of different 
you know, kind of solutions that the audio industry kind of has been lacking. Um, so like, you know, for example, video, you know, you have, there's been so many advantages, you know, in video and, and in the visual aspect of things. And I feel like audio has been kind of stuck in that same, you know, world. Um, so, you know, these guys are, are not looking to replace anything. They're just looking to, you know, expand on what's already there and, and kind of unlock that power so that, you know, we can be able to use like a, a full, you know, stack of plugins, you know, on a, on a live tour or, you know, without getting any la- latency, essentially. But this sounds like it's technology that could be used by the indie artist that just works from home that does all their music production from home as well as obviously studios and touring artists yes absolutely yeah yeah so like our you know the plugins um you know we're we're about to actually uh put out a beta suite um for modulation essentially is a modulation bundle and it's dropping i believe october 7th uh, it's going to consist of like a chorus a phaser and a flanger um and you know, right now we also have a uh, FIR convolu- uh, convolution reverb um, that is kind of like in the early phases. So it's kind of just a way of us being able to kind of showcase our tech and, and show people that, hey, like this is actually, you know, it actually works, you know, because a lot of there's a lot of non-believers at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, it, these are completely free. So, you know, you can go to... Um, I guess uh, gpu.audio slash now hear this. We created a page just for you guys so you can download the beta. Um, and yeah, we're, um, you know, everything is free for the moment. And, uh, you know, we have a Discord community that people can join and, and, you know, continue in that conversation and grow with us. And it's a really exciting time to see to see what's happening. I'm currently working with them as a product manager um kind of just uh creating a very secret project that i can't really talk about too much um but it is very exciting uh that's all i can say (laughs) great great and i want to repeat that because i didn't even know that they were going to do that so that's nice that that's been done for the audience of the show so i think you said gpu.audio slash now hear this yep exactly awesome awesome well go check it out folks like she said it's free and it's very nice of them to do that so Tef, let's have you change hats and get back to talking about your own original music. Share with us about Tef the songwriter. Yeah, so Tef the songwriter. Um, I love writing music. In that it, I don't like to put myself in a in a box per se. You know, like a lot of artists are like, I'm a rock artist and that's what I am, and like that's what I do. You know, I'm I love music of all kinds, and I and I, you know, from when I was in college, I kind of just started. Um, you know, experimenting a lot with different genres and fusing them together. And um, a lot of the time, you know, when I was when I was in school, like I, I was in a songwriting program and I had to take uh, classes that had to do with different genres. So that kind of sparked my interest in like the different genres and like how I can use like elements from one and put them together with another one. So that's kind of how how it's always been for me. I my music, if you listen to it, like, you know, you'll hear like a nice little ballad and then the next is like a, a reggae pop, as I like to call it, or like another one's like a Latin pop rock. <laughs> so like I don't really have a, a specific genre that I like to write. So, you know, there's something for everyone there. But at the same time, I'm glad that you went there because I did wonder if we get back to the first half of the show and talking about being from Venezuela, how compelled do you feel to have to incorporate your Latin roots into what you write? Or is it a case of, yes, I like it, but I don't, I just told you, Bruce, I don't want to be in a box. Like, I don't want to feel like I have to put that in every song and I don't want to have to apologize for not putting that into certain songs I write. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it really matters for me. I I do think that, you know, all my music is, for the most part, in Spanish. So that alone, you know, already puts that Latin spin on it. Um but yeah, as far as genre goes, like there's really no, you know, I do enjoy doing like the reggaeton, but it's not, I don't like to call it reggaeton. I like to call it reggae pop because it's not like the dirty type of reggaeton. Like it's more like the fun, fresh, you know, like music that just makes you happy when you listen to it. So um, I like more doing that sort of stuff, but 
you know, there's times where I'm just sitting right, sitting down and writing and then, you know, something different comes out and I'm like, I like this, you know, like, and, and it's not one of those things that I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to give this to someone else who actually does this for this genre. No, like I like to see it through and see what happens. And then, mm. you know, on top of that, I'm like, okay, so, well, how can I, you know, what can I add to this to like make it a little more interesting? So like a lot of times it's me adding a little bit of that Latin aspect to it, or maybe sometimes it's the lyrics and they're in Spanglish. Well, see, and I was just going to ask you, do you sit down and make a conscious decision? I'm going to make sure I write in English this time. How does that all go? And then also, by the way, I'm I'm thinking that you're going to tell me that you pretty much exclusively write by yourself because I don't hear you talking about co-writes. No, I actually, I mean, I've worked in the past with, with uh, a few other songwriters, um, Actually, the first song that we played, uh, that you played in the show, uh, was actually written by two two of my friends. I basically just got together with them and we just cranked out that song. Ah. Um, but but yeah, but most of the time it's just me uh, writing by myself. And um, yeah, I, I don't I don't feel you know inclined to 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 add that Latin spin to it. And when it, when an idea comes up, usually there's like lyrics attached to it yeah. or a feel that, you know, it, it either feels like it needs to be in Spanish or it needs to be in English. I see. Um, so, you know, it depends on what, what comes out, you know, it, like sometimes I'll, I'll start singing and I, I start singing in, in English, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well, I guess this one's going to be in English. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. That's cool. And since I mentioned it in the intro, what can you share at this point about the new album that you're working on? You mentioned it just a little bit in the first half. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to and, and there's going to be, you know, lots of like love songs and happy love songs and you know sad love songs um but yeah i i think that it's going to be one of those albums that you're not going to know what's coming next and you know it's going it, to my my hope is that it'll keep listeners you know engaged and and thinking like okay what's next like what's going to be the next one you know is it going to be a i don't know a rock song is it going to be like a, a nice little you know acoustic ballad um that's kind of like why I'm really excited about this album because yeah. it's, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's nowhere near what I've done before. Well, I can tell, I can hear the excitement in your voice. And, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on with the show is not asking the obvious questions or the questions that the guests are being asked in all the interviews that they're doing. So when I come at this next one, the temptation is just to say, how did that feel? It's like, duh, how do you think it felt? But I, I do have to make sure we talk about your having been on Grammy and Latin Grammy nominated albums. So instead, what I'd really love to know is, number one, are there any cool stories around any of that? Like maybe, well, actually, I wasn't even supposed to be a part of such and such a project, but dot, dot, dot. And then secondly, do you know for a fact that having those accomplishments on your resume has actually led to getting one or more specific opportunities? Yeah, I think the the Latin Grammy nomination um you know, my teacher, you know, in Miami was was making his album. And, um, you know, I was still living in Central Florida. So I wasn't supposed to be there, you know, and, ah. and I was actually there for my audition for the, uh, the University of Miami to be able to get in. So I was already in Miami at the time. And, and I called him up, you know, my, my dad called him up. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, we're here, like, we'd love to see you. And he's like, Oh, you're here? Great come to the mm. studio you know and, and so i was at, he kind of just got me in there and and was like hey can you sing this line can you sing you know backups wow. on this can wow. can you so we ended up like doing a song together and then we uh, i did some backups as well for wow. for some of his tracks and i had no um, idea audience i when i was telling myself to ask her that question i thought well if i just ask her are there any cool stories around it she's gonna be like well I don't know, like, what do, what do you mean by a cool story? So I thought, well, <laughs> I'll prompt her and say, like, maybe there was something that she wasn't even supposed to be a part of. And so I, full disclosure, like, she didn't know I was going to ask that. I didn't know she had a story for it. So thank you, <laughs> podcast gods, that that worked out cool. But please continue, Tef. Yeah, so, and then for the for the Grammy, you know, like I said earlier, I was, I was chief engineer at the time for, and this was my senior year. And, um, you know, I, I just had Jeremy Fox, like, call me up and he's like, hey, like, are you interested? Would you be interested in, like, running some sessions for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I always said yes because I, I loved being in the studio, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and he kind of made it sound like it was a big deal because this was like his whole, you know, 
graduate project so it was you know supposed to be like it was supposed to sound good so i'm like all right cool i'll, I'll be there i'll you know support and everything i can and and yeah like we we spent uh you know we got up super early i remember for that session and you know and he had brought in like uh, basically like all these like string players and i'm like oh wow i've never <laughs> mic'd up a bunch of string players like this before in a studio and so we like figured it out we uh you know, we figured out what mics to use and, and everything sounded great. And, you know, years, I want to say like when I was at ESPN, so this was 2014, I graduated in 2013. This was 2014, like towards the, the end of 2014, I believe. Um, he calls me up and he's like, hey, so uh, we're nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> I was like, what? That's insane. And so, you know, it, it was exciting and, you know, sadly we didn't get the, the award, but, uh, you know, it's still really neat to, to get the little, you know, certificate that says that you were on a, you know, Grammy-nominated record. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, as the audience can tell by all these different balls you have in the air, you clearly are having to navigate the music industry as an independent artist. I'd love to hear your views that way. Yeah, so... I, I think, you know, the the industry has changed so much that, you know, like now there's not really like a right or wrong way at this point. I feel like it's important to be a content creator, um, aside from a musician and a songwriter. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the social media, so like TikTok and those types of social media uh, platforms are powerful. Um but they're, they come with like that visual aspect. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see how, you know, how musicians and, and artists are, are developing some of those like visual skills to be able to partner that up with the music that they're making so that, you know, they can get the music out there and into people's, you know, hands essentially. Um, so I think like, Net, right now, the most important thing is being able to learn how to market yourself, learn how to be able to use the tools that are out there. There's a lot of really good free tools out there for, you know, creating graphics, for creating, um, you know, visual kind of uh, accompaniments to your music. Um, and I'm especially excited about all this like AI generated art, you know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are using that now for like artwork for their albums and their singles and now I, I believe recently meta announced that they're working on like a, an ai video generator which is really cool and i think that's going to be a very useful tool for you know people who maybe don't have all the skills to be able to like shoot their own music videos and like edit them and mm. you know being able to use a prompt you know like oh i'm, I'm doing a song on i don't know um heartbreak or you know some dark <laughs> ominous you know uh theme you know you're able to like write a prompt that kind of visual you know visually it it matches what your song you know is conveying so i think those tools are going to be very exciting you know in the future and i'm excited to to see where it all goes yeah i was going to ask you and we're in the home stretch here but given the various experiences you've had a lot of which we've heard about I sense that you are someone who has views on the future of the music industry. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, keep a keep an eye on on what you're doing, but you also have to kind of be, you know, trying to get ahead of it, you know. And there's a lot of trends happening, and you have to be on top of those trends. Um, and just, you know, just navigate it and, and be as genuine as possible because that's ultimately that's what sells, you know. I think like people who are trying too hard, like don't end up getting as far, you know, as, as someone who's like genuine and like it shows, you know. But I wonder, do you think with everything being so digital and so streaming, do you think we will see a reversion back to when I say physical units, I'm talking to see about CDs, because I know that there has been kind of a resurgence, and I don't want to overstate it, but enough of a resurgence of vinyl to acknowledge that. But do you think we'll ever see something other than vinyl, meaning will CDs come back? Um, I'm not sure if CDs will come back. I think vinyl probably will, you know, it's already making its comeback. A lot of people are doing, you know, like they're selling their special edition vinyls and things like that. Um, 
I'm not sure, actually. I'm not sure if the CDs will will kind of catch on again. Have you thought ahead to whenever your new album comes out, which sounds like it's going to be next year, will that be digital only or will there be physical units or I'm putting cart before the horse, perhaps? No, I mean, I, I definitely would like to do like a, a vinyl version of it. I think, you know, it's it's neat. It's a neat, you know, physical way of, of uh, supporting the, the artists that you like, you know. Nice, nice. And I do want to also give you a chance to just explain so the audience understands what the Lennon bus is, since you are a two-time winner of that. Yeah, so the John Lennon uh, songwriting competition is essentially this uh, international competition where a bunch of songwriters send in, you know, their music, and it gets uh, judged by a panel of, you know, artists. You know, sometimes they're well-known, sometimes they're like, you know, kind of, more behind the scenes like producers and you know songwriters or ghostwriters um and uh yeah and they you know they they judge the music and then they pick out you know the people who i guess their top people or top songs and then from there i believe it goes into a vote by the public and people get to you know choose the song that they want to win and um it's really great i think i i would encourage all songwriters to send in their music and you know if you do get uh chosen you know they're they have like all this gear that they can send you which is awesome so mm. they have like they'll send you genelex they'll send you like a guitar i believe you can like choose from up to a thousand dollars worth of like yamaha equipment wow. which is really neat yeah so i mean it, it really it really doesn't hurt to throw throw your hat in and um you know i've, I've been able to 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 win it a couple of times and um it's great is there a cost to send the songs in i believe there is um i believe it's i'm not sure exactly how how much it is at this point but is it like 25 dollars or is it like 250 dollars oh no yeah it's definitely affordable it's like 20 like 25 50 bucks something something around there okay we're going to close today with another one of tef's original songs one called amor Tef, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Yeah, so this song, I, it was a part of my EP. Um, I wrote it while I was in college, and I was just taking an Anglo-American class. So uh, it was all about, you know, bluegrass and, and Americana music. And so I decided to write this, like, bluegrass Latin pop song, <laughs> uh, which is a very uh, weird combination, but it works. <laughs> I know, I had to sit there and kind of slow it down as you said, bluegrass, Latin, pop. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's different, but different is what gets people's attention. As you're saying with your new album, you're going to want to keep people guessing. And wow, I can't wait to hear what she does with the next song. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those fun songs. I, I love playing the song live because people just, you know, it's such an easy chorus to, to learn that people start, you know, clapping and then singing it with you. And it's it's just a fun time and... and is a nice way to connect with the audience. Awesome, awesome. Tef, so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got to talk, and I really enjoyed having you on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and you know, thank you for having me. You bet, you bet. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to award-winning and Grammy-nominated bilingual audio engineer, singer, songwriter, guitar player, recording artist, Tef. Do visit her official website at thataudiochick.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. As I mentioned earlier, once you land on her website, you will see icons to engage with her on social media. Go like her music page on Facebook and follow her on Instagram. If you use LinkedIn, you can even click over to connect with her on there. On Twitter and YouTube, look for her via at tefmusic. For that matter, tell her that you heard her and her music and now hear this entertainment. Remember to give her a follow on Spotify as well, but purchase downloads of Tef's original music from the likes of Apple Music and other online digital music retailers. Keep up with Tef online so you can see when she posts updates about the new album that you heard her talk about that she's currently working on. If you're not getting my weekly e-newsletter, you are missing out. Last week, it was my birthday. I had some exclusives in there that I did not publish anywhere else. I like to do that from time to time as a thank you for signing up for that. It's free, and I only send it out once a week, but it gives you information about the newest podcast episode plus other goings-on, 
In fact, if you were on the list in today's e-newsletter, you would have read about me heading to the Florida Panhandle tonight, Wednesday, October 5th, for the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival, where I will be recording more interviews for this podcast. Go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address in the sign-up box to start receiving that. That's going to do it for episode 451. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Tef. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Amor. Bye.